Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. G'day, Coxie. G'day, Warwick. How are you? I'm excited. How are you? I'm fabulous and I'm really... I'm really excited to intro this episode. Me too. It's a cracker. I have this feeling in my tummy, Coxie. Oh, did you go to the bathroom before? Actually, there's a segue. <laughs> oh my goodness, you Chuck Norris without even realizing you were Chuck Norrising. Please enlighten me. I'm lost. Well, what was Dan's profession? Or what it, uh, Dan is a plumber. We're talking to a former plumber today. Although he does say that once a plumber, always a plumber. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't show us his pipes. Yeah, I couldn't turn anything else into that. Um, that (laughs) I had nothing to say there. You just left me hanging, Coxie. I did. It's your fault for having a silly joke. Now, something that won't happen in today's episode is you hanging out for more or something. That's terrible. Should we just cut to the episode? Because it's way better than this intro. Um, So today we chat to a guy called Dan Pollard. And you may not know, but Dan is the creator, founder, dude of Fergus. And if you don't know what Fergus is, you're about to find out. Um, And you're going to see more of them, particularly here in Australia. Our Kiwi listeners will know exactly who Fergus is, I suspect. Um, But uh, our Aussie listeners not be as familiar with it but uh, i suspect over the next couple of years you're going to see a lot more from from these guys but dan started um a software company to solve a problem in his trade business <laughs> ring a ding ding that's uh that's a massive like well if you want something done right you just do it yourself absolutely kind of to the i'm problem. just going to give it a crack and what do you know it worked and really it all came down to cash flow so mm. you know getting invoices out, getting paid. He, uh, he figured he'd go build his own software company, which is now like a multi-million dollar enterprise um, and has had tens of millions of dollars invested in it by outside parties. Uh, so it is a big deal. It's, it's the real deal. And uh, yeah, we have a very, very interesting chat with Dan. We don't talk about software. We don't talk about computers. We don't talk about much other than Dan's backstory, which is honestly, I don't think I say this very often, Coxie, but um, today's episode is going to flip your lid, listeners. Mm. Uh, It is very refreshing to hear from uh, a supplier in the trade industry like Dan. Uh, It's not often overstating it. No, you're not. And it's not often that we are blessed with a guest who is prepared to be as vulnerable as Dan was with us today. And that's a great big uh, wanky term, I suppose. Vulnerable, vulnerability, sharing of yourself. I can't think of a better episode for that to have happened in. And I can't think of a better opportunity for our tradies to learn from someone who has really been in the trenches, literally and figuratively. Um mm 
this is an important episode. You need to listen to it. You need your partner to listen to it. You need your colleagues to listen to it. This is one of those ones you really need to be sharing with everybody that you know that is even loosely involved with the trades. This is really important. I hope you enjoy as much as we did. Righto, so we're joined by Dan, the man from Fergus, <laughs> all the way across the Dutch. Welcome to the show, mate. Good morning, thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> now, that all got a bit serious because <laughs> the three of us... Oh, and Coxie's here. How are you, Coxie? I'm well, thank you. Thank you for pointing out that I'm here joining you on this chilly morning. Well, after you've just had multiple shots at me in the preamble to this episode, I'm not sure I should actually even acknowledge you, Coxie. <laughs> oh, Warwick. I, I felt ganged up on. Even Dan was having a go at me. I think that, Dan, you're the first guest to lead into an episode by having a shot at me. <laughs> I love it. I'm well, you're an, easy, you're an easy target. I mean... <laughs> and there it is, righto. So, well, uh... you know, we are the plumbers. We are the top of the food chain, right? We're the apex. <laughs> well, it's right? funny, mate, because I, I was thinking about... Um, I actually prepare for episodes. Now, a lot of our listeners will be amazed to hear that, perhaps based on the quality or lack thereof of my uh, my rambling on our <laughs> episodes. But I was thinking about, okay, so Dan's a plumber. Um, what jokes can I think of about plumbers? And uh, and then there's the usual thing about plumbers and electricians, you know, like this, this sort of, um, I don't know what it is. It's like this systemic uh, competition between the two of you. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what it's all about. Like, see, my dad's a builder. And he explains me like this, you know, builds are at the top. And so a plumber is a builder with his, with his brains bashed out. And a sparky is a plumber with his brains bashed out. And what was left over got set, distributed amongst everyone else. Right. And I think, I think the, the never ending joke is that sparkies aren't real tradesmen, right? They yes. can't really yes. actually use a hammer properly. They can't really right. put knobs in. I mean, they can just drill a whole winder cable around wherever they like, right? It's really easy. Mm-hmm. But the annoying thing is they're actually kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> just a little you tiny be, bit you actually have to be smarter than a plumber to be a sparky and it's kind of annoying but we are the better tradesmen and so there's always that balance because water doesn't have <laughs> polarity mate and no. uh, there's none of this whole you know uh, potential energy with joules and amperes and all that stuff I was trying to figure out for my electric fencing recently I was like man electricians are actually quite smart <laughs> <laughs> G'day yeah. to all of our electrical clients out there. Yeah, they yeah. are. We have quite a few sparkies in, in our group, but uh, you are a plumber, Dan. Um, well, you were. Uh, I'm a drain layer roofer. Right. Yeah, so. so is it are a plumber or were a plumber? What's the correct way of describing Oh, I think I'll always be a plumber at heart. I don't think I've... Yeah, I still feel like I'm, I never do a day's work in the office. If it still never feels like work. That's interesting. So, how yeah. long have you? How long have you been um, a shiny bum, as my dad used to call? Uh, four and a half full. Yeah, I sold the plumbing company about four and a half years, so four four full time years sitting in chairs, and I don't like it. And and so even after four years and a successful business, which we'll talk about in a minute, you still have that same tradey um, disease that you don't feel like you've done any work if you haven't yeah. actually been on the tools. Yeah, well, see that behind me, that this is my upstairs. I'm busy renovating my house during COVID and I haven't been happier for, for years. I just, if I'm not using my hands and actually making stuff, it's just, it's just in me. 
I have the same conversations with my builder husband. He is off the tools now. We don't do building work. He now works in an office training. He's a trainer who writes um, certificate training for RTOs. And he's the same. He has to spend his weekends doing stuff around the house. Not that I'm complaining. This is lovely. Works for me. Uh, but he has to do stuff around the house to remind himself. Or And actually, it's not even to remind himself. It's to feel good. That's yeah, his sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Because for so many years, he was a builder for 25 years. You get to the end of the day, you can actually look over what you've done and you feel that sense of achievement. Whereas in what I do, I move a bit of paper around the desk. I might've actually spent an entire day working really hard on the computer, but I can't see what I've done. It's, it's a big part of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. I, I can't see how you could ever let that go. And I, and I do have to give, uh, like I'll do a day's work on the tools upstairs. And I'm probably tired when I come home, right? I'm probably like, oh, but I feel really good. Yeah. Yes. But I'll do eight hours in the office and I am, I'm just so mentally strained. Mm. Uh, I'm stuffed. Like, yeah. It's but not, it's not healthy. I don't think it's health work. Well, mm. I think, I think the, the office bound stuff and a lot of our listeners struggle with, and we talk a lot about this in our groups and with our subscribers is they they are drained, you know, doing eight hours, mm. 10 hours in an office is, uh, you know, my, my OT wife will tell you that that is cognitively taxing and it does burn energy and it burns us out. Yeah. But I feel like we don't get the satisfaction of seeing what we did. There's not that that feedback of, wow, I just, I just framed up a house or split yeah. two ton of firewood or whatever the heck it is. You don't yeah. get that feedback. You sort of, you turn off the computer and the light on the desk and it's like, what the heck did I do all day? Hmm. And I think that causes yeah, a mate, lot and, of angst. And, yeah, it, and it's the same as work. Doing the work is, is worthless until you do the invoice. Like, and mm. this always annoyed me. The work counts for nothing until you get the pen out and make the first mark on paper. And the pen has always been mightier than the sword. And it still frustrates me to this day that it's always that way and will always be that way. It's funny Warwick. because here in Australia, we say the pen is mightier than the sword, but you guys That's use right. a pen in New Zealand. Is that... <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> I couldn't. Look, Dan? after the way we started this episode, Dan, I couldn't yeah. pass that one up, mate. No, no. no. <laughs> uh, all is fear and love and war. <laughs> Nothing yeah. goes unnoticed. Yeah, yeah. Now, we would actually like to be business friends with you, so I should probably wind this back a bit. Um, oh, no. No, no. Start, start as you mean to continue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, my, my triathlon coach used to say to me years ago, start how you mean to finish, was. Um, oh. I usually started pretty poorly in my triathlon, so it might explain oh. a lot. But, well, uh, you've carried on in this interview so far, so, you know. <laughs> now, we are talking about office work, and I think something yeah. that's made it even more challenging for a lot of people when they're doing the business stuff is that largely we've gone paperless. So we don't even get that tactile um, satisfaction of moving papers around or clearing a stack of quotes from our tray and get moving them on. You know, we don't get that visual feedback. Mm, and, I don't know about that. Well, don't steal my Chuck Norris segue, Dan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm segueing into the reason we're actually talking to you today, which is not to take the puss out of Kiwis, mm. but to actually talk about um, what you do now in the office, uh, which is not plumbing, mate. Mm. So can you give our listeners uh, a bit of a 
paint the picture, Dan. Who are you? What do you do? And why are we bantering with you here today on the Tradies in Business podcast, mate? So, yep. So, yep. So, obviously, Dan Pollard, founder of Fergus Trade Software. But what is that, right? And where did that come from? Is that, shall we start, start there? Sounds like an awesome place to start, mate. So, uh, so my dad's a, a builder, so I've been in construction my entire life. And uh, I was actually going to be an architectural draftsman. I was enrolled to go. And he says, no, nah, not going to do that. You're going to be a plumber. And he, was good. he, <laughs> says, he, said, to me, he said to me, he says, you're bright, but you're not that bright. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So he, was, he was good. So Dad said, if you become an architectural draftsman, you'll be a small fish in a big pond. That is true. But if you became a plumber, you could actually be a big fish in a small pond. Mm. And so I, I became a plumber at 17 and I was, I was a terrible apprentice. <laughs> I was way, just, oh, my, I got the nickname of just being able to like um, misthread everything. <laughs> oh, just called you cross threader. Oh, it's useless. And, um, but I learned very quickly and in it, but in 11 months I was put in my own van. So I had a very quick learning period. And then, at the end of my second year, I was actually, so I was only 18 at this time, and I was the leading hand in, in the family, there's about 11 guys, and I was in charge of um, these big um, subdivisions, and had 50-year-old and 40-year-old and 30-year-old plumbers reporting to me, and I'm 18, now in charge, and it was all kind of weird. Mm. And um, so anyway, so then had a falling out with parents at 19, moved out of home, lived in a garage for a couple of years, in a Skyline garage. And it was really, really poor. Like, you know, you're earning seven, eight bucks an hour, right? Mm. And after tax, you get like 200 bucks a week. So I was like, I was poor. So I was working 20 hours on the weekend. It's just like the poverty you can't imagine. And so I knew to get out of poverty, I just had to work and had to go work with myself. And so in order to do that, to be successful, I'd save, I was saving all my money to buy a van. Yeah have it stocked up, have a good band, could have all the tools. So by 22, I had, had the good band. It cost me 22 grand. So back in the 90s, that's a freaking lot of money, right? Mm, yeah. huge so when I was 22, um, did my exams, hadn't got my ticket. Uh, January, I started working for myself when I was 22. Had my band, had a couple, had a couple of builders, had a couple of jobs lined up and, and away I went. And uh, I'm a pretty good plumber, like not, not the greatest of all time, but I'm a, I'm a pretty good plumber, if that makes sense. And um, the first year went really well. So by the time I was 23, I'd actually bought my first house, um, had, a, had a couple of guys working for me, working seven hours a week, and I'm tired, right? I'm not, mm. you know, I'm tired. Anyway, second year comes around. Um, so I'm not in business, right? I'm just working my own job, really. Self-employed. Self-employed. Yeah, employed by a lunatic. Yeah, <laughs> so anyway, so 22, 23, life is going good financially, right? Finding a house, had a girlfriend, had, had all that going on. You knew nothing about business. And you hear those stories about people who don't pay their taxes in their first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah, I was one of those. So the tax bills came in and uh, it crashed me. I actually, uh, I hadn't paid any taxes. I owed just tens of thousands of dollars in taxes, GST, payroll, you name it, it was all owing. And uh, I crashed and burned out. 
so lost lost a relationship um had to close the business and i actually moved into a um oh they going to sell the house or do something desperate and this is at what age then uh 24. far out and so i actually was lucky enough to find a gig at a boarding school and so in return for free food and boards one night a week looking after the 100 kids and one night every second weekend now, one day we second weekend, you got free food, board, and accommodation. And so that was a lifesaver mm. because I moved in there. I was, I was a wreck emotionally. I was a proper burnout, right? And I was just contracting to a, another plumber. And I had to spend all year working for that contractor and paying off 60 grand to the tax department. Ooh, that bites. And so that was probably one of the hardest times I think I've ever gone through my entire life where you're working. So you're earning like two grand a week and after tax, you got 1500 and I'm paying 1200 a week to the tax man. Jeez, mate. I did that for a whole year. Mm. And, uh, but the tax department were good. If you stuck to the payment plan, there were no penalties, just pay off what you owe and life was going to be fine. But man, that's, talking about doing it hard. Mm. It's a lot of pressure too. Like just that constant, uh, fear of missing a payment and and uh, the consequences of you know, will but just I have paying every day, to, every day you're working, it's not yours, it's paying, and because like, it was their money, it's owed, so it's all fine, but it's still better, brutal, right? Yeah, brutal. Mm. So, anyway, so did that, did that two years, recovered emotionally, and then had another go at 27, started, started again, and learnt my, learnt my lessons about taxes. <laughs> <laughs> And I've never got the tax trouble since. I've had accountants involved uh, every every two months ever since. Mm. Ever since those that time, and I've just always now paid my taxes every two months. I've never ever I never ever get behind in taxes ever again. And so I did that for a couple of years, uh, but once again I got married, and then in that time, but I closed that business and went overseas. But once again, the the pressure of um, quoting, invoicing, working, ordering staff is just hating it, mm. just hating it. So I quit that, went overseas, came back to was away for a year, came back, went to a small town in New Zealand called Tauranga, because beautiful place by the coast, and thought this would be nice. I'll, I'll, I'll be a plane down there and have a good life. Not happy about life, but you know, because I'm now nearly 30 now, right? Mm. And so I was working in Tauranga for a year, getting the lie of the land, and realized there was no opportunity to build a business in Tauranga. There was, was no population? wealthy middle class. Uh, about, and that, then about 80,000. Okay, yep, so fairly small city, like very small city. Very small, but just no wealthy middle class. Yep. <laughs> So all working class, a few, not like Auckland, right? there's a big executive. So that was a, it was a nice year. Uh, well, I was working five and a half days a week just to make enough money to pay the bills again, right? Mm. And so now I'm 30. And I was well, like, I am actually stuffed. So I've been working 13 years as a plumber. And I think the only value I'd had to my name there was where my house had gone up in value. Mm. Right, so I had about 350 grand worth of equity, mm-hmm. and but all that was just inflation, right? Yeah. So I'd worked 13 years and really had nothing to show for it. 
And so I very, I really looked, looked into quitting and going back to law, to going to law school to become a um, an M and A lawyer because I'm very argumentative. <laughs> <laughs> the only skill required. Yeah. Well, it's a good skill, right? And I don't need I don't need anyone's affirmation, so I knew I'd be a really good lawyer. Right? It's kind of fun. You know, you're right. <laughs> Well, my nickname is Dan Knows because I'm often right, right? One <laughs> <laughs> of my nicknames. And, um, but that was 10 years to get back to the same earning level, right? Mm. And so between 29 and 30, I'd read a lot of books, started reading. And I think my biggest revelation was I read the book, The E-Myth for Contractors. I think anyone who's read it goes, it's mind-changing, right? Mm. And then that just got me hooked into reading. And I think you talk to everyone, it's the same story, right? Once they start reading the right books, they start, you get this thirst for going, oh my goodness. Mm. And so I reckon a couple of years, I must have read oh, at least 80 books on business and just got it. My mind then just went, as soon as I read the EMS for contractors, and then I realized, oh my goodness, business is a science. Mm. There's no luck. And just realized how I've been doing it all wrong. I've been completely, my poverty complex was, it was, my whole ideal, I, I saw people as walking wallets and my job was to get money from their wallet to my wallet yep. and didn't really care about them at all. Yep. So my mindset was completely self-focused on me, not about customer outcomes. My older, the outcome was focused, I'll give you just what I have to do so I can get your money. Yep. Not about actually delighting the customer and truly giving them the outcome that, that's, that's good for them. Mm. And so learned those lessons, right? Read the email for contractors, read about sales, marketing, business, value strategy, read all about all those things. Also read a good book on called The Gold Rush. And it talks about in every age there's a gold rush. You just have to find out what it is. And so, you know, so this is now this is now 14 years ago. And so this is pre-iPhone. Google was just starting to get big. I was like, mm, there's something in this data. So okay. So I thought, well, I'll go back to Auckland and I'll have another, another shot at doing a, a plumbing business, right? Because I have to get some staff and get some money, get some capital. And I read a good book on Edmund Hillary. Um, he climbed Everest first. Yeah. Not, I was an Australian, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it talks about why he's on the five dollar note. Yes. And it's not that he not that he climbed the hill. It's that he was prepared to die that morning to climb the hill. And it talks to if you want to achieve anything that was worthwhile, you actually have to go all in yep. and be prepared to die. And so it was actually quite a powerful book, actually. Oh, it's going to make me a bit emotional. Um, <laughs> I can feel it actually welling up. Um, and so because I had failed twice, right, in my other, my other plumbing companies, I was like, I'm not going to fail a third time. Mm. And so I, I made ah sorry I made a promise to myself. Sorry, sorry right, mate. We love a bit of emotion on the show, mate. Funny, funny, funny how they really come back. The emotions come back, isn't it? It was a long time ago. Um, that I would do whatever it took, but I was not going to fail a third time. Mm. If that makes sense, because it's not mm. good coming back off from failure. It's freaking hard. It is hard. Did you was that connected to something? for you, Dan? I mean, we all have our reasons for going again. Uh, 
but that obviously, you know, that's tapping into some emotion for you. But that whole thing of I'm not going to fail a third time, was there a, a why or a reason behind that? Sure. Poverty. Mm. Like I've been dirt poor. Mm. It's not good. And um, it's not good to be poor. It mm. sucks. What's yeah. hard. Mm. And uh, I think my, my first my first rule is not to be a burden to others. Mm. Right? Your first rule is don't be a burden to others. Mm. And so my first rule is I have to take care of myself. If I can't take care of myself, I can't take care of my wife and children and family. So I had to get my shit together. Yeah. And so I read the books and I was like, and I'm, I'm a very good plumber, right? So I can always get work. And like this time I was like, okay, I've learned a lot of lessons. I'm almost, I'm sure I can, I'm sure I've learned the lessons. If I put the customers first and staff first and just put in systems and processes, I know I'm just, it will work. It's worked for everyone else. Because yep. the thing is the book made the point, if some firms can get to 25,000 staff and you can't get to five, <laughs> yeah. yeah. well, guess what? It's, 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 it's more you. It's not that the model doesn't work. It's yeah. not the model doesn't yeah, work. Actually, yeah. And so I came to Auckland at 30, 31. Started again, just me. So just, just me. And um, by the time I was 38, we had 25 staff in two branches in the plumbing company. Multi-million dollar turnover business. 17 vehicles on the road. Gosh. And I had also done two software startups. I think I had 14 people in the software company, 12, 12 or 14 in the software company, and I had an office in Melbourne as well. Goodness. So in so seven when it's years. seven or eight years, yeah. now that. I'm, I'm loath to butt in and I'm going to anyway, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, mate, firstly, I just want to say thank you for, for sharing uh, and for being genuine and authentic on the podcast. I and mean, we have a lot of guests and, and we've done a lot of interviews at, at Traders in Business. And uh, it's, a, it's a rare commodity is that uh, authenticity and, you know, genuine sharing. So thank you for that. You're um, welcome. And I'm sure our listeners appreciate it too. Uh, and, you know, it, it just, just to labour that point a little bit, it's something that... I think good tradies uh, or good trade business owners, they know that that's an important part of running a great business is the ability to, as the leader, to actually be genuine, vulnerable, authentic. There's a lot of talk yeah. about it, but there's not a lot yeah. of, there's not as much action around that particular cultural point. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, uh, shining through, mate. Oh, you're welcome. There's two things with that, though, I do say. It's important to be vulnerable and genuine but it's not okay to whinge and moan. <laughs> There's a big distinction between the two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I've never whinged and moaned to my staff. I've definitely said, yeah, I'm under some pressure to get this right. There's mm. some pressure. Mm. We've got to deliver these outcomes for sure. But, and this is the plan. Mm. And so, as I say, you know, if, if leadership is like, it's, it's, it's always like the army, right? If there's a battle to take the hill, and the troops find that the captain is in his bed drunk, scared. No one's going to follow. No one's going to commit. The captain has to be out front, bright and early, shiny, well-dressed, on point. Mm. 
He can still say, yeah, it's going to be a tough day, boys. Yep, I'm worried. Yep. But this is the plan. Let's go. Yep. And that's leadership. Yes, it's almost, it's more about the energy that we bring to that leadership role than um, obviously title and position and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like, uh, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, Dan. Some leaders I see think that lead by example means they have to, in that you know uh, that uh, sort of military example, be the the one picking up the rifle and running into the volley of bullets and sacrificing themselves. But you know, longer term, that's actually detrimental to their people because you know if if they uh, go down, then who's actually leading? I think lead by example means different things to different people. So I'd be interested to to get your thoughts on that, mate. Well, I think there's always a leadership is always depending what's what's going on at the moment, right? So if things are good then it's servant-based leadership empowering others. Mm-hmm. In times of crisis, then it's time to get in the trenches and pick up the rifle. Mm-hmm. And so you must look at the situation and, and respond appropriately. And typically speaking, when, when things are under pressure, most people have fear and flight. Mm-hmm. And that's when the leaders need to step in and lead by example and go, follow me, and people will then tuck in behind. Mm. Yeah. But when things are good and things are safe, then leaders should be behind pushing the troops out front to go. Yep. Dan, is this something that you learned or something that you always knew? Uh, really interesting. I've thought about this a lot. Um, so my grandfather um, was military police. Mm-hmm. My, my dad's always been a leading hand. He's always been self-employed. We've had a farm. We've always had people working for us. And he also, he taught me the lessons of leadership. And so, and I'm also blessed with a strong personality as well. Mm. But definitely seeing leadership in action by my, my father and grandfather has been instrumental at knowing how to lead men. And you, and you it's, as I say, like, everything is like a, a six-sided dice. You must, is, you have to look at all sides of the dice at all times and, and, it's never just one thing. It's mm. Everything always very dynamic. But the principles in play around leadership are servant, lead by example, pushing or pulling. And you just need to see what's going on and see what's required. I uh, int- Interesting you men- mentioned animals. Um, I talk- did I talk about parkies again, did I? Sorry? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> 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 um, so I live on acreage and, and um, you know, I grew up on a, on a sort of hobby farm as a kid and probably identify more as, as you know, country rather than city uh, as far as my own culture goes. And fascinated by animals and uh, my wife's a horse person and we've got a few cattle and, and chickens and there's this concept of pressure to you know, interact with animals, but to get them to move in a certain direction. And, and for me, it's a fantastic analogy and it's probably a bit cheesy, but um, y- you have to know when to apply pressure, how, where to apply the pressure, yeah. and also when to release pressure. Um, yeah. And I, I see, sadly, a lot of leaders that are just constantly applying pressure and thinking that it's a never-ending push, as you say, you know, that push-pull, you know, sometimes releasing that pressure can be just as powerful a, a move as a leader as applying it in the first place. Well, I mean, that's exactly, I mean, I, I use the term amplification all the time. 
how do you amplify yourself through others through influence right mm -hmm. and that starts a long long way behind mm -hmm. and and i say monkey see monkey do the single biggest thing that will cripple anyone's authority is hypocrisy mm -hmm. and so if like I tell guys, if you, if you want your tradies to do a good job for the customer, you want them to be neat and tidy, and they come in, your workshops are, are shitty, your office is a paper, it's got everywhere, you've got, you've got crappy systems, you're a mess, you're, you're unshaven, you're untidy. You're... What are you saying? You're actually saying, I don't care. What you're saying is, do as I say, don't do as I do. You have no authority when you, when you are like that. So then you are reduced to yelling and shouting and threatening. Yep. Yep. If you want, if you want your guys to do the best work, buy them the best power tools mm. why would you buy them crap from bunnings buy them the hilties you know if if you want them why do you buy them the worst cheapest work boots you can you said what you're saying is i value my money more than you that's what you mm. say mm. like can we talk a bit about the, the single biggest lesson of, of uh, extreme examples reveal a hidden truth it's an amazing, amazing exercise to go through. I'll shorten it down because it's a long exercise. So ex extreme examples reveal a hidden truth, right? What the hell does that mean? What it means is how do you make, how do you know what decision to make? How do you make good decisions? And so the example we were taught was what keeps the car on the road, right? And people have to work out what keeps the car on the road, is it weight, gravity, what is it? And so then what you do, extreme examples, you extreme things. So you make the road polished ice, and you make the tires really wide polished aluminium and then say now how far will the car go and you can see in the mind the car will go now it'll spin mm. and you say we'll put rubber tires back on the car will go right so so it's, the, it's friction from rubber that keeps the car on the road so the most extreme examples of leadership is the military because they've worked out how to get people to die for a cause mm. yep. so the extreme so what 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 have they learned at how to get people to commit for a cause and so that's why I'm not, that's why I use those examples. So what they've learned, which every business owner needs to learn is they absolutely instill pride in their group, mm -hmm. in the uniform, in their kit. The military provide them with the best tools. They don't go and buy the $5 knockoff guns. No. Nah. Best training, best equipment, best pride. Mm -hmm. Because a military wants to go to war knowing it's got great leaders, great, great support, great training, great tools. So that's what the men need to have confidence to go and commit to a cause. Mm. So what are you doing in your business? It's the men go, you've, you've actually got my back here. Yep. Tell you what, cheap, cheap boots, cheap tools, cheap uniforms, cheap vans. It says I care more about money than I do about this business with you or the customer. Mm. And it's simple stuff too, isn't it, Dan? Like it doesn't, although, uh, you know, Hilti power tools might be perceived as expensive. There's there's a value in that, that um, you know, in terms of loyalty and performance, yeah. and and even just the tools themselves. I mean, everyone talks about buy it once uh, is the cheapest way to buy things. We know that, particularly as tradies. Um, and you know, I have to say, within our group, what we do see. Um, or, or what's visible to Coxie and I is that largely our members and, and I hope our listeners as well tend to follow that ethos of, of you know, quality tools, quality vehicles, um, good signage, all that sort of stuff. But 
um, I guess uh, you know there's this this misconception around running a lean business and uh, you know keeping things profitable. I think sometimes we look at the wrong areas to cut uh, when we're when we're trying to do that. Well, I think my issue is always there if if a business is should absolutely provide a return to the shareholders, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But only after it can run itself properly. If you if you just I, I cannot stand talking to business owners who see their business as extraction. <laughs> they're they just trying to extract as much wealth out of it for their personal life. Mm. So you're not here to run a business, you're just here to try and make money. It's it's awful. Mm. Mm. If a business is based on genuine outcomes to the uh, the property owners and the employees, then you actually make more money. And actually, I prove that. I've been completely self-centered, didn't work. I focus on the customer 100%. I know 25 staff in eight years. And that thing was, that thing drops out proper cash. It's a massive uh, shift of thinking. And you spoke about that, about how you had to go through the trenches for those few years Mm. for you to have that shift in thinking so that Mm. you could then come out and create this business that was profitable and then more businesses after that. But um, was it as simple, I think we're making it sound very simple, that reading the books created the change in your mind, but it's actually then actioning that change on a day-to-day basis. It's putting those steps in place. It's very easy to read a book and think, oh, that's what I should be doing, but they're not doing it because we oh. get busy or bogged down or whatever it yeah. might be. Well, I think, I think it, what was for me was I'd learned quite, quite clearly doing it wrong. The pain of that doesn't work. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you had a big motivator. Yeah. I had a big motivator. Like I, I learned very well, though that doesn't work. I'm not doing that way again. So I'm not done. And the difference of insanity, as we all know, is to do the same thing over and over, right? And I'm not going to repeat those mistakes again. Yeah. So going back and, and uh, Coxie's raised a point that I wanted to dig into a little further, Dan, is mm. you've talked about and you shared very openly, you know, that decision that I'm, I'm not going to fail this time. Like yeah. the flip side is I'm going to succeed this time. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we all have our own definition of success. Um, there was more to it than just having a third go. Uh, it didn't just randomly go, oh, well, this time it actually worked out. I, I wanted to just go back and have a look at perhaps some of the the shifts or the fundamental changes that you did make that resulted in this amazing success over seven or eight years. Yeah, well, that, yes, okay. So the single biggest thing, Fergus is based on this principle. So the software is based on this same thing. The only thing that matters in business is cash flow and profit. Off the cash flow and profit, everything else is built upon. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the simple premise. So therefore, when I was, went to business a third time, I was going to be invoicing every day. Every day. And so even when I was one person, I had one part-time office person immediately. And I think when I had three or four staff, I had two part-time office people in. And we were invoicing every day. And so, and I also since decided I wasn't going to yell at people anymore. So you've done that previously, mate? 
oh mate my grandfather's military police <laughs> <laughs> just checking <laughs> like i think my i think my greatest moment is like i'm not a big guy i'm 1.72 i think i've been about 66 68 kilos most of my entire life i think i'm about 75 now right so i'm not a big i'm not a, i'm not a big guy right I think I had about 15 drainage working for me under my control and no one will ever challenge me on site. Mm. You will not challenge me on site. Like I'm, I am and always will be the boss. However, you don't always have to be in someone's face, right? Correct. You actually want, you actually want willing workers who do the right thing because they respect you. Mm. Absolutely. Not because they feel they have to or because they're out of fear, you know? And I think because I've been through a lot of relationships and I also decided, I also, also worked out the quality of your life depends on the quality of your relationships. Mm-hmm. Shitty relationships equals shitty life. Very true. And so I was like, actually, I want to build a business where I've got nice staff and nice customers and we all just want to work together. And so, and also, you have to keep things simple, right? Kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid. You probably use it a lot, especially the last. Especially with Warwick. Yeah, <laughs> I beat you. Yeah, and, uh, so my my value vision, I combined the two to keep it simple, was to be friendly and reliable in the local plumber of choice. Mm. Just to be friendly and reliable, right? And so straight away, every day, this is we just want paper, paper job cards. But I would just have the office people calling the tradies up and getting their hours off them. Right, so rather than yelling at them and chasing them and wondering what's going on, it's just not just call them. You know what? When you've got three or four guys, it takes about 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're paying an office person 25 bucks an hour, so it costs you about $8. Mm. All the arguing goes away. All the stress goes away. Mm. All the headaches go away. And it's done every day. And then the dockers come in from the, and we just did a, a simple thing with the with suppliers is the golden, the golden rule still is today is what you buy is charged. Mm-hmm. So you can't buy two or three jobs in one docket and what you buy will be charged for the customer. So you only buy, only buy what you use, don't overbuy. Mm-hmm. Right. So those, those come in, the hours are, people's got the hours and we're invoicing every, you know, the ability to invoice every day, right? So I've got cash flow from day one, from day one. Very important. And so I just had ops people from day one. Never again was I going to ever get behind that cash flow um, board. Now, it was, still, it was still burning me out because I was still working 10 o'clock, midnight. I would do that five, five nights a week. I'd start Sunday night to Thursday night. And I'd work all day and then do the kids. It's also important also just to, um, I don't know, so between 30 and 38, I also uh, finished off um, two, two apprenticeships as well. Mm-hmm. So I had to do two years to do my gas fitting mm-hmm. and I did my drying apprenticeship and I had two kids and I was doing plumbing, uh, growing the software companies and doing the businesses and going to tech and doing work experience for other trades to get those tickets. Ridiculous. Have you finished? Did the, you even? Uh, <laughs> sorry, have you finished the child raising apprenticeship yet, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I've outsourced that now. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And uh, yeah, it's much easier. It's much easier now that they're uh, eleven and thirteen. Mm. Yeah, yeah, so easy. Um, yeah, well, do you want to hear about the last couple of years? 
Yeah. So a- any other fundamental changes though, mate, before you sort of bring us? Yeah, cash flow. Cash flow is everything. And and then there's a whole. So, but I knew the problem. We're talking about how I got into software yet, right? Because this is the bit that was leading into. It was still brutal. Don't be wrong. It's still brutal, right? But at least I had cash flow. So cash papers over all cracks, right? So at least still grinding out quoting and still grinding out job management and order materials and working all day and still grinding all that out. So life still is not, is not fun. Mm. Got young kids, going to tech, studying. Yep. Just grinding it out. Right. But I've made that commitment. So what was the turning point, mate? No, there wasn't. It took a very well. It took years, to be fair. Mm-hmm. But the, the the commitment was, I'm not going to fail a third time. Yep. Right. So all you have to do is get out of bed every morning and keep going, right? Because that is less hard than shutting shop. Mm. Would it be fair to say it's still hard though to do it that way? Yes. It's a, it's a lesser hard, and I'm sure there's listeners uh, sitting there or standing there or whatever they're doing to listen to this uh, episode thinking, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm just getting out of bed and grinding every day because I will not fail. Yes. Now, the difference is I had a plan, though, right, of what I was trying to build. So I was trying to build a 10-van business that had enough office staff so I didn't have to work on the tools. Mm-hmm. So I had a very clear plan in my mind. I needed to build a operational structure that could afford to have office people and trade people and have cash. So I didn't have to be there mm. every day. So that's what I was working towards and having, so knowing I needed a full-time office people and full-time operations people. And, and I was working towards that. Mm. I had no idea the software was going to go so well. So, but you know, everyone needs to, well, it'll be very interesting when we talk about software because that, that is game changing. Well, that's, that's where I sort of wanted to get to is, uh, and you're about to talk about the last couple of years, obviously, you know, you've busted your tail to, let's say, avoid failure. Yeah. Uh, what, what actually was part of achieving success though? Because for me, they're two different things. Avoiding failure and achieving success are often quite different. Well, I would say in the last couple of years of the trades business, right? When I was starting to see 10 grand of cash come in a day. So there's 25 staff. I'm working there two or three hours a week. I'm now on the software full time. Mm-hmm. And you sit back and you go, holy heck, this thing is bringing in 10 grand of cash a day. It pays all its bills on time. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets paid on time and I'm doing bugger all. <laughs> that, that's an amazing, that, that is a hard feeling to describe. Yeah. Like it's 50 grand a week is coming in, 10 grand a day. Sure, most of it's going out in wages and bills and right, why not? That's fine. Yep. But it's coming in. And that that feeling of achievement is oh phenomenal. Mm. Because yes, you're always stressed, but it's 
it's it's that's good stress, right? Because it's like, okay, you've got you've got 25 star. How can I be more strategic? How can I improve the business? How can I improve processes, policies? I mean, that's great stress. That's great. I mean, that that's the right pressure. Yeah. Bad pressure is I can't pay my staff, I can't pay my suppliers. Everyone owes me money. Yep. There will always be stress. You just want it to be the right sort of stress. Yeah. Yeah, Mark Manson talks serious, about isn't it? in uh, in one of his books about choosing the problems that we want to have. <laughs> life always has problems it's just like we actually get to choose which problems we have well i learned a great one last year oz is so good you ready there are no victims only volunteers <laughs> that is bloody good <laughs> that's a great way to put it mm. fabulous yeah. way to put it so the um the software let's let's talk about fergus uh yep. so when did that when did that brain grenade go off so I've been in software, believe it or not. I did job sheet originally. It's a little one in New Zealand somewhere. And so Fergus about 10, so about 12 years ago, I went to software. Now I did not get into software for any grand change the world plan. Uh, but I was trying to improve my business, right? Mm. And so where the business really failed the previous two times, and I was aware that this problem was going to come, was the ability to create a job card, right? Give that to a tradesperson. The hours, getting the hours from that job card back onto the job, onto the timesheet, onto the back costing, and a KPI for how much were they were charging it out. Mm-hmm. That was still a perennial problem. That no visibility around the hours and what was going on in the business. Yep. And so I went looking for software at the time. And there was nothing out in the market that would allow me to create a job, schedule it, get the hours back in, do timesheet backcosting, invoicing, and start KPI. Nothing. And because I made that vow, proper commitment to be successful and not fail, I was like, well, stuff it, I'll build it then. Mm-hmm. That's, that was literally it. I'm gonna, it's not going to beat me this time. I'll just build it myself. Because how am I going to be, right? It's literally, it's just, I know what I want. So I found a mate who knew about computers because I literally, literally knew nothing apart from how to do an email. <laughs> and uh, I, yes, yeah, so I found a guy, sketched out what I wanted, and, and we made and we made software, and then we integrated, um, holding price books in it, and had job sheet to the market in nine months, and we had about thirty grand of revenue very quickly. And I had to go around selling job sheet because I, I was starting to pump money, like big money, into um, job sheet. Mm quarter of a million, I think. I'm into it, right? But then the plumbing company started growing. Yep. Like, we, like we grew quite quickly to like, I think, I think we were three or four when I started and we were six or eight. And I was like, oh shit, that went well. <laughs> but, so then, so that went well. So then, they had a, had a falling out with that, with that guy in that business. And I, over the couple of years, I really got the, the hang of doing software was really, was quite good at it. And so then decided to do it better and found some guys and we did Fergus. And Fergus is still based on these principles of, of cash flow and profit. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, um, you should all get, you should all bow down and worship. Um, I've really, really, really changed the, the industry in New Zealand. Right. We're the ones who pioneered getting the supplier invoices sent digitally. 
So that's game changing. Even just taking for granted now. Yes. But I, I always want to have to go around the suppliers and talk to them and force them to give us this information as CSV files so we could import it and use it. Jeez. Because that has just changed the industry, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, oh, I, oh my God. Like, it's hard <laughs> to explain. So I've, I committed a million, I've spent over a million dollars of my own cash from the plumbing company into that, into Fuga software, plus job sheet money. Mm. Because I had no, I had no, I sort of was going to sell it just to try and make some money back off what, what I was investing in it, right? But I was that committed to never failing again. I was like, stuff it, I'm all in. I'm just going to keep spending the money until I build a business that just freaking works. And that actually cost a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, now, they're, uh, they're deep buckets, the uh, the software <laughs> development. Yeah, and now people can people can get it for a couple of grand a year. Yeah, and I think they kind of it kind of it still kind of bugs me a bit. Like I spent a million bucks of my own money, and that's one point <laughs> five million because that was an asset. Because mm. there was no R and D on that for at the time, so I just earned one point five million of real money and spent it on systems. Mm. But that's the that's the commitment it takes to build something. It's all in. But it's a, if I can just jump in there, Dan, um, well, I just did, so thank you. Uh, it, it's it's an interesting point to make, though, the amount of time, effort, money you've invested into a system that people nowadays see as something so simple and you use the term before taking things for granted. We take for granted a lot of these systems that we use now, but the 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 power that they have in our businesses can be enormous um, if they're used well uh, because there is so much investment behind them, you know, whether it's an, an HR system or uh, a job management system, even just bookkeeping uh, and accounting software nowadays. You know, people, I think a lot of us don't realize what's gone into creating that system that allows us to leverage that and, and, and create incredible results for our own businesses. Oh, I mean, I could just, I'd love to share the emails of people just thanking us for the, the, the webinars and the coaching and the, the tools they use to save them. Yeah. When I started, I was still doing GST with double entry bookkeeping systems on <laughs> those days by pen and paper. I tried to explain double entry accounting to somebody recently and I gave up because I was like, <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 years. It's really hard to explain in 10 minutes. <laughs> and then you put zero, when does he GST automatically? You put, you put, you put GST of zero and Fergus together, you run your business. Yeah. And you can do it for, I don't know, you know, a hundred, 200 bucks a month, you know, depending yeah. on how many people you've got and users and all that sort of stuff. But it's just, it's, it's phenomenal the stuff we can do. So, uh, so Dan, you've, You've created this software. I assume that you're using your own software in your plumbing business these days. Yeah, I sold that and I sold that now. Hey, okay, nice. I sold that. Sold that. I sold that four years ago. So I sold that for. That was also still one of my. Oh, success moments in my life. Mm. So that's a seven-figure sale, right? Mm. Do you have a, a like one of those big fake checks on the wall or something that you? <laughs> no, but it's like written. It's written on my, in my heart of, yeah, yep, yep. That's success. I exited good figure on my own terms. 
So for for tradies listening, then you know we're talking about Fergus. Um, really important question, Dan. Uh, how'd you come up with the name, mate? Uh, I actually really believe in brand and values, and I also well, this is real bad, but our audience will get it. So we had some we had some place we we had some placeholder names. No, I can't actually. Can I? Can I? Is it good? Or, no. You can of course you can. Like, but... Oh, uh, we, well, one of our placeholder names was Trade Smack, and uh, <laughs> and awesome. uh, and we just because I wanted something that was like because I, I had job sheet, but there was Trade Pro and Sim Pro and Pro Workflow. It's like man, yeah, not doing it for me. And then one day, I was just like Fergus. He's my little Jack Russell. Mm. Okay, <laughs> and he was loyal, man. He was with me in those fifteen years. He was with me every day and under the houses and you know trades get it right when you're under a house for a couple of days and it's cold and damp and bleak life is yeah it's not great no but he's there yep every day so he was friendly and reliable awesome mate i love it me and so too. those are still our cool values right mm. yeah yeah yep yeah friendly and reliable and also yeah and so it's just and it's good to be different right mm. It is good to be different. You stand out from the crowd. You immediately impart your values with your logo and the name of your business, Great. which is a big point of difference to yep. many others in the way that they're doing business. Yeah. I'm really interested to know what life looks like now for you, Dan. You're not plumbing. You're not on the tools anymore. You're working really hard in your Fergus company, what does life look like? What does no, it look like? actually, no, life is no. Uh, I believe success means you shouldn't be working in your own business. Love it. Because actually, so Fergus has got 45 staff now, I think, in two countries. We've got a full-time professional CEO. He's amazing. Way better at being a CEO than I am. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, I laugh at that, but... That's a big thing to say, Dan, for any leader and creator. Oh, I don't think so. That's the entire point. I think you've just summed it up perfectly with your answer. It's recognizing leadership is recognizing your own strengths and yeah, abilities right. and the strengths and abilities of others mm -hmm. and yeah. allowing yourself to step aside and let the better person take that role. So mm -hmm. I, I think you've nailed it with your answer perfectly. Yeah. And also, why would you want to be a CEO? Yeah, it's so <laughs> it's true. <too> stressful. <laughs> it's so stressful. Like the pressure is immense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I do find it quite funny. He earns, he earns way more money than I do, but I'm like, you're more power to him. Yes. Because yeah. he's he's running the business better, better better than I did. Yeah. And it will do way better under under him. And I get to be the founder. I get to talk. Get to talk to you guys. How great's this? Talk to. I love to trade. Right. Look. Want to see them do really well. So I get to talk to tradies. And hopefully try and help them and inspire them to go, you can do it. Mm. You mm. can actually get on top. And I, I would like that point to sink in for listeners that you pay your CEO more than you get paid. Mm. Yeah. Right. I, I just, I really want that to settle in for listeners and just think about how that might apply in their own business, their own yeah. life of, you know, stop thinking, the old ways that we should get paid the most just because just because what 
exactly. So, yeah. yes, just think about that, listeners. <laughs> and send your feedback to Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, like, the thing I did want us to touch on, though, was don't repeat the don't repeat dumb mistakes that everyone else does. Mm. Like, please do get coaching. I wasted seven years of my life making mistakes that I could have learned in six months from getting coaching and mm. mentorship and signing up to people. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you use Fergus or a competitor. Using something is 10 times better than nothing. That's mm. right. That's right. So anyone who's been effort to codify write down uh, it's going to be a hundred times better than what you've done by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to cost you a little bit of money. Like pretty much in business, if you think about it, spending money will solve every single problem. Yeah. Of course. Well, you, and, and you said of, before that, you know, cash papers over all cracks. All cracks. And, and I often say to people, cash can fix all of your problems. If you've got enough cash, you can solve all of your problems. I mean, that's the world the capitalist world that most of us live in and certainly most of our listeners, uh, if you've got enough money, you can fix all your problems. So just... and, and, that's, and that's like, but that's amazing that literally you can solve problems with money. Isn't it yeah. amazing? <laughs> and you don't even have to be money. that smart. You just got to yeah. have enough money. Yeah. And not even, a lot of money. Even a plumber can do it. So, so I have a question, Dan, that, yeah. uh, that I like to ask all of our guests. Now, you've already given some, some absolute nuggets uh, in the last, well, the last 60 minutes, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm losing track of all of the axioms that I should have been writing down as you were sharing them, mate. Uh, but I do have a question I like to ask, and I'd be, be fascinated yeah. to see what pops out of this one. Yeah. Am I okay to ask it now, Coxie? Please do. I just have oh. to check with the woman first. No, so, mate, I'm taking you can't you can't, can't go on a date with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Dan. Well, you were admiring my glasses before, but that was right. Well, you did look really cute today. I say you took the Mickey out of my grey hair. So, uh, so Dan, if you had a thousand tradies in a room, let's call them trade business owners or self-employed yeah. tradies, right? Yeah. Um, so a thousand of them in a room. What is one? piece of advice or one thing you would like to share with them oh wow that's a great question this is un, this is i'm unrehearsed for this it's never, no i'm sorry i'm not going to answer that way life is like a six-sided dice there are quite a few things you must do mm-hmm. i i still think the biggest single thing you must learn to do is stop thinking you're important <laughs> Coxie's fist bumping for those that can't. I just see love the video. that. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, you've got to put the the customer and your staff first. Truly, you've actually got to make them the centre of your business. That's the first rule. On, on then on that foundation, everything else will start flowing. Mm. That's the first. So I think that I think that has to be the centre from what you from what you build your business on. The second one then is getting the people and processes in place that bring that to life. Mm. And let's and be honest that you're probably not smart enough. And that's great. Mm-hmm. Like what's what's wrong with saying I'm a great trader, but I'm actually not that good at business. What's wrong with that? 
what is, I don't understand, like, I was a good CEO, but I'm not great, but how could I be? I've never, I've never employed a hundred people. Mm. It's under, we don't expect an apprentice to be in the van from day one. Yeah. It's, it's unre- so don't be unreasonable on yourself, mm. but don't be stupid and lazy and tight. So if you're not the best, spend some money and get coaching and training and advice mm. because it's not acceptable to just to, to not be great. Like that book going good to great, it's not acceptable to be half-assed in your business. Mm-hmm. So customer-centric first, then absolutely set your business up to be, to be awesome, but just spend money and get help to make that a reality. And then get out of the way. <laughs> this is just gold upon gold. <laughs> it's like the 3.5 point plan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because the thing is, like, what I don't understand is if you can earn like 90 bucks, 100 bucks an hour, right, as a tradie, and you're not very good at your office work and you don't like it, which I don't, why would you not employ people and just get back and earn money? Life's great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds simple to us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's simple. It's only, and t- typically speaking, it's only your own ego that prevents you from doing what you should do. And there is the real gold. Yes. Well, love it, love it. Dan, I'm sure we could go for another two hours, mate. Uh, <laughs> I have a funny well, feeling you may have done that before. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Fergus, obviously built on uh, on your experience and a lot of your principles and your ethos around business and yeah. and uh, what's important, and uh, and we absolutely love that. Um, if listeners are wondering where to find out more, mate, uh, have, have the team told you all the right social handles and websites and stuff to share with us at this point? Or... <laughs> I think everyone I think, I think just goes, how is Dan.com? And I just sign <laughs> I was going to say DanKnows.com. And that's... Dan oh, I, knows. Should, I should buy that. I should buy that. It's a good idea. Um, you know, an Instagram handle is just... Is, uh, which Fergus app or just go Fergus. We're yes. just everywhere. Yep. Yeah. And and the website is uh Fergus.com. Great. It's too easy. easy. Awesome, awesome. Now we're gonna put all the links uh, in the show notes as we usually do. Uh go and check out Fergus uh for a lot of our Australian listeners and, and we have a bit of a Kiwi following now. They're they're managing to decode my accent, so that's impressive. <laughs> but uh um, for the Aussies, uh, if you haven't heard of Fergus, go and check them out. Uh, definitely worth a look. Um, you've you've heard it from the guy that uh, that created the whole thing or kicked it off anyway. So uh, I think a lot of people will identify with that, Dan. So thank you so much for for sharing more than just you know a talk about software today. It's been fantastic, mate. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Warwick. Thank you, Coxie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Dan. Great to have you on the show. I hope to be back. You will. <laughs> there you go. The boss said it. You'll we'll be back. <laughs> Thank you. Loved it. Right. Thanks for your time. Okay. Take care. Bye. Well. Phew. <laughs> Take a breath, listeners, and breathe. Uh, that was a cracker. I'd put that Coxie in my top three episodes ever here at Tradies in Business.
I totally agree. And I'm not even going to make you name the other two. Well, I can't remember. So <laughs> I, was just, I was trying to be fair to someone else who I might have said that was my yeah. best episode ever. Do you know what? If we ask Dan, because Dan knows, I bet he'd say it's the best ever episode. <laughs> uh, yes, indeedy. But uh, what did you think, listeners? Pretty, uh, pretty mind-blowing story. And, um, it's a cracking story. I, I wanted to go back and write down all of his axioms and his nuggets. There's no victims, only volunteers. Uh, there's just some, some incredible little snippets from mm. Dan's journey. Uh, snippets, Chuck Norris, snippets. <laughs> hey, but if you want to Chuck Norris this, what we're going to say is, but wait, there's more. And yes. I'm not talking about steak knives and I'm not talking about any of those other Dentel products that used to or, be sold. Or Hilti power tools. No, we are talking about more gold. Uh, we did an more extended version mm. of the Dan interview for our Trade Desk customers members, subscribers, however you would like to term that, we did more. And oh my goodness, mm. it will take your breath away. Uh, holy crap. I thought Dan was just going to stick around and do a 10 or 15 minute um, deeper dive into his story and some of the challenges that he had. And uh, we had the Kleenex out. <laughs> um, we, uh, we had to take a breath and take a break. Uh, I wasn't expecting what we got from Dan at all and really grateful that we did um mm. <clears throat> quite surprising actually i was a bit shocked to hear about some of his uh motivation for starting the the software business in the first yeah. place um way beyond what you heard in today's episode so um if you're one of our premium members whether that's trade desk or drawing board or tradepreneur then um go log into the trade desk portal um to your member dashboard and head over to the Trade Desk podcast. You'll find the the, um, the audio there. Uh, we're also going to pop it into the videos uh, section with our in our special interviews section. Um, and if you're not a premium member, then um, don't forget we're actually letting you get in there for free at the moment mm. um, during the COVID crisis. Who knows when that's going to end? It's costing Coxie and I a fortune, but, uh, <laughs> but we're doing that because we actually want to help as many tradies as we can mm. to choose a different path. You know, you've listened to Dan talk about his journey today um, and Coxie and I really want you to make a change, do something different. So go to tradiesinbusiness.com.au, um, go sign up to the trade desk You'll need to put your credit card details in to complete your registration and make sure you use the code tradies for tradies That's the number four. That's the coupon code. So you'll see it asks you, there's a little spot there to put a coupon in. Do put the code in. You'll get your first month for free. We will then remind you seven days before we take any money from you. Um, if you don't want that membership to roll over and become a paid subscription, but uh, go check out uh, Dan's extended interview during your free trial and uh, tell me that you don't want to stick around after that. It's so, so true. Uh, go sign up to that. And, um, and for everybody, go listen to Dan's extended interview. It's, it's a cracker. <laughs> so uh, thanks for tuning in to Tradies in Business. And uh, we'll see you with our next podcast tomorrow. <laughs> Never a breath in between. No. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Hooray.
You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.